Welcome to the Splash Play Podcast. We love you guys. You tune in and you watch us try to hack the podcast game. It is a fantasy football podcast. It is a sports betting podcast. It is an NFL DFS podcast. And last week we did a giveaway and we are going to continue talking about that to figure out who is going to win that prize. But now Chris and have tried a different strategy and that is winning at DFS. We are showdown <laughs> thought leaders. I finished third place in the spy this week for $10,000. Chris, do you think us being good at fantasy sports could be the greatest con of all? <laughs> I'm going to say that it doesn't seem like you need to be good at DFS or fantasy football to be good at doing these shows. But Pete, we could find out right after this. Oh, I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> no, I like that. It was right after this. Hello everyone, welcome to Splash Play. It wouldn't be a Splash Play YouTube video if it did not include a series of me gaffing everything production was. So there is Pete. I was going to stop us and make us redo it, but I think it'll be more charming to keep it in. Um, I hit like to the intro screen and then I hit back to just me and then I hit back to just... It was just terrible. It was a, a series of production gaffes that you're going to have to just only appreciate on this channel that... And Pete... Uh, you could appreciate without even knowing, I'm sure. I was just gonna say, do you think? Do you think if Lorne Michaels saw this cold open, he would just have a heart attack just on the spot with he, the, the, the polish uh, of it? He'd be alarmed at the lack of of clay on our faces <laughs> to make us look like slightly different versions of ourselves that are supposed to be parodying other people. But it's Splash Play. Hit the like button, subscribe here on YouTube if you're watching there. And of course, if you're watching Apple Podcasts, hit that five stars and a review. And of course, subscribe. We appreciate the reviews as as much as anybody out there will ever appreciate it because we are just a, a mom and pop shop of fantasy football trying to make this work. But as Pete mentioned, we do have the big giveaway. Let's plug that up top here, Pete, because I know this is near and dear to your heart as one of the lifelong fans of Arnie Weinmeister out there. Yes, we do have. Uh, if you missed our Did you show... laminate it yourself? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually, yes. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> no, this is how I received it from a, a kind man in uh, Missouri, I believe. Yeah, if you didn't watch our show uh, from last Thursday night slash Friday morning, we did do the unveiling for this giveaway. It is a signed three by five white index card by NFL Hall of Famer Arnie Weinmeister, one of the legendary defensive tackles to play uh, one of the shorter careers for a Hall of Fame player. And now we are giving it away. And Spags, I believe we said we are going to let the entries roll in and then we're going to we're going to do the drawing on Thursday. Yeah. So Thursday, of course, every show that we do comes after one of the big uh, off schedule games that are on uh, primetime TV. So Sunday night football, Thursday night football, right after those games air, you get a new episode of Splash Play. So that means after Thursday night football, we will announce this winner. And honestly, Pete, it seems like there are people who are already clamoring to get some access to this, perhaps not realizing that um, this is really our life savings into one product that they're going to be receiving why do you think i felt like i had to win money playing dfs today to afford <laughs> memorabilia to give away to our listeners like an arnie weinmeister signed index card 
No, that's true. Pete is personally investing. <laughs> Staking is personal wealth built from a, a lifelong career of DFS success uh, into this Arnie Weinmeister card. So make sure you are subscribed to this channel on YouTube. Or if you are on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on there. Get yourself, uh, give us a five stars and a review to give yourself an entry. And that is the two ways that you can win. And there is also a tweet on our at Splash Play pod handle if you want to retweet that one. And like it. That is one way for you to get another a bonus entry. There are so many ways to get entry, Pete, to this priceless prize. It's really, we're so generous. I think that's one thing people don't know about us already. And if you don't know, we're very generous. And that's the kind of magnanimous thing you can say when you're so generous. Yeah. And I do real quick, I I, I want to, speaking of our listeners and, and giving back, I want to give a shout out uh, to Willis is awesome. He is the official Splash Play accountant. He has helped me. Uh, I actually haven't even gone into the spreadsheet. Did Willis tabulate the scores? So did you? do you already know? Are you leading me here? I, I legitimately don't know. I have <laughs> so, not looked at the spreadsheet. So here's the thing between Willis and me. And of course, it's a tribal battle here on Splash Play. Uh-oh. Where... Uh-oh. <laughs> Where, you know, Pete and Willis are one team, me and Trey, another team of equally credible people. We're just, you know, trying to make things work. And what happened is I updated the sheet, like, because Willis did such a good job updating the sheet with, like, the scores and whatever that I I could do it. And I was like, well, just in case he doesn't, like, I can just put the scores in myself for what we did. And then I saw Willis is in the Google Doc before, and he was, like, clearly going to edit it. was like, I guess there's nothing for me to do here. Oh, because you both saw each other in there and he thought like I should get out. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. So it was like a bit of a staring contest, but I mean, <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. I, I got to say, Pete, well, I have some qualms to pick with this week's <laughs> standings, but uh, we can discuss that when we take the L or we don't take the L in that segment coming up. Of course, we also have our waiver wire snake draft to come, but I feel like week two big stories, we have to lead it off here with Pete. Your big story, finally being profit. Actually, I don't even know if I want to make that conjecture, but uh, conjecture rather. But Pete, you can. Uh, it's fair can. game. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, uh, Pete, uh, super profitable. Let's go there. Pete has now had a gigantic ROI on his season. He is now one of the most profitable players in NFL DFS for the year after you're showing in. Was it the Juke on DraftKings, I believe it was? Yeah, so the Juke was with, I do a show with Mike Leone and Joe Holka. We have a, a joint lineup in there. So we finished, I think it was fourth or fifth in that one. But what was funny is we were doing our show and I was so busy sweating that lineup that someone said, Pete, you're third in the spy right now. Ah. And I had forgotten I had that light up because I was sweating the other collective lineup. Sure enough, I pull it up and I was third in the spy with another Russ Wilson double stack lineup. See, Russ gave us both a win uh, the last time we did a show on Sunday. Uh, Pete yeah. and I both had a, a lovely showdown slate where he finished first in a play action, uh, tied with a couple people. I also finished tied with a couple people in the in the first down on DraftKings. And um, apparently Russell Wilson, Pete, is your magic elixir where, I mean, I mean no discredit to your lineup at all. It's uh, Actually, I don't yeah, have it in ahead. front of me, but Pete, do you want to give the people your lineup if you have it? I'm sure it's already tattooed on your arm like Memento, but um, what this- was the winning lineup? This is how uh, this is how I can do it. I can I can actually do it from memory. No, the reason I can do it from memory is because I only so this contest just to give people a frame of reference. There were two thousand two hundred twenty-two people in it, so a relatively small field compared to Millie Makers and stuff like that. I only got three things right because I had a Russ double stack to Metcalf and Lockett that was fairly popular, and then the two big things I hit right that not everyone else was necessarily on was Austin Eckler got a thirty burger from him. And then Allen Robinson, I got a 30 burger from him. My other stuff, like Miles Sanders at 60% owned, he flopped. 
I did Dalton Schultz as a bring back. I thought that would be unique. He did fine eight points or whatever. And then I had KJ Hamler at 3000. That son of a bitch, KJ Hamler, KJ Hamler, my guy, (laughs) our guy, we were both high on him. Um, And then I had Eagles defense who did fine, but it kind of just goes to show you why game stacking is nice because you have to get so little, right? You just need to get a couple things, right? That was something, I, and again, like not to discredit Pete's lineup. I'm already, I'm already shitting on it your. Sounds parade. like you really want to discredit my lineup with all these caveats. <laughs> no, but you know, again, not to speak ill of Pete's genius, which of course we see every week here on the show and on Twitter at Peter Overzet frequently. Um, I didn't even do the intros. I'm Chris Bags. That's Peter Overzet. So now you know that. So now you can really be invested in our successes and failures. But I thought the one thing you did well was that you just took a very obvious stack, but didn't take the chalk running backs. Didn't take Kenyon Drake. Didn't. I mean, you had Miles Sanders in. The there but like you took one of the chalk running backs but the one that was you know pretty safe relative to an Eagles team that couldn't have been any worse today in an overtime game against uh, the Bengals like I I thought that was pretty smart of you where if we're just talking pure game theory pure strategy like you had the popular stack but you got different with it by you know you could have taken Michael Gallup that would your who was one of your guys that would have worked out better maybe but (laughs) I'm not not, not trying to nickel and dive in the lineup, but I feel like just, but that one basic part, like that shows to me, like how it's like, yeah, here's just how you make one key pivot. And that's all it took. Yeah. And that is the thing. Old me, like Peter last year was just the king of galaxy braining of just being like, I old me would have been like, everyone's going to have this stack. I can't play it. There is no way I can play it. New me is like, yeah. Okay. Like I'm not going to also play Jonathan Taylor in Zeke or whatever. And just get unique in a few other spots, especially in single entry where you only need one or two differentiators. So I am now on team play the best plays, Spags. <laughs> so is that a meaningful moment for you where, I mean, you, you've you backed a lot of underdogs, a lot of dark horses out there in the, the various weeks that you've been on shows and touting things. But is that a really a meaningful moment for you where you, you know, you now can change over and say, you know, your team handbilled, obviously, but you're also team play the best plays. And those are two noteworthy teams to be on. Yeah, I think uh, I think that is a shift I am I am making. And despite though, you'll see my ride or die plays. Uh, I still like to galaxy brain a few things, Spag. <laughs> so maybe I'll just keep the galaxy braining to those. I think this week though, with I mean, you didn't play Miles Sanders in that lineup, and Miles Sanders one of the most popular plays of the week. I think let's talk about this game a little bit because this is one that. Um, so basically, my setup, and somebody actually tweeted asking. Uh, like what my setup was. And I was like, yeah, like I watched four games on my laptop and different tabs. I have red zone on my big TV. And in the other room, I have my girlfriend watching the Eagles and I go in and go like, you sons of bitches. What are you doing? Like, that's basically <laughs> what every Sunday is for me. The Eagles game, Pete was a disaster and, and could have been maybe one that affected your lineups more where Miles Sanders gave you some help, gave a lot of people at least a decent baseline, but was pretty much definition of a cash play as he got there Really, nobody else on the Eagles performed as they got hurt. Carson Wentz looked bad. I mean, what do you make of this Eagles team that uh, got you some results, but really it just looked like a disaster? Yeah, that game was honestly torture. I had another uh, Wentz lineup that I was excited about. And the, the problem with this game is like, everyone's like, okay, Wentz is playing bad. This is the get right spot at home versus Cincinnati. And everything was lining up. He had his tight ends. He has Deshaun Jackson. He's got Miles Sanders. And he looks awful. Like you watch the tape between Carson Wentz and Mitch Trubisky and you don't feel like there's a huge difference. And now you, you know, we see Twitter, everyone's calling for his Jalen hurts going to be getting time soon. And I do think it is 
it is really discouraging. Uh, if you're an Eagles fan, I know that they've had some offensive line woes, but I mean, where are you at? I mean, Wentz, we, we have to kind of start dropping him down as, as far as how we think about him as a franchise QB, right? He hasn't been the same since that knee injury, and it, and it sucks because, you know, I think I think data-wise there normally is enough to back up that these guys come back from injuries, and for the most part, you know, as they get older, certainly there's a, you know, a fractional decrease. But, you know, besides that, the injuries don't quite matter as much as people might think for the most part in terms of looking at the overall picture. And since Carson's been back from that first knee injury, which I remember very vividly, I was at a bar here. It was them playing the Rams. Carson tore his ACL, and he was a monster. He was throwing it deep. He was rushing. He was basically like a Lamar Jackson who got to throw a bit more than he had to. Uh, like he looked great. And I feel like this is not the same guy. And, and it sucks because, you know, his weapons also keep getting hurt. His offensive line has also been hurt. And if you have your offensive line banged up, then you also lose one of your tight ends who does have to block a good amount in Dallas Goddard. In addition to running his routes, like it's also been just adverse conditions for him where I don't like, I feel bad for Carson, but I don't know how you don't move on from him if, if they keep this going for the rest of the year. Yeah, no, I in one of my high stakes fantasy leagues, Carson Wentz was the one quarterback we took. And this week we put a pretty big bid in to add Justin Herbert with the same thing. Like we were spooked. It's like, I don't think I can trust Carson Wentz as our quarterback uh, going through the rest of the season. So yeah, I, uh, I think if you are in just 12 team leagues, luckily there's normally some serviceable quarterbacks on the waiver wire. And he is a guy I think you have to be protecting yourself against at this point. Yeah, I think that's that makes sense. We will talk about the waiver wire coming up in a bit. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. Give us that five stars and the review. It helps us out a bunch here as just two men here and uh, and a battling couple of men behind the scenes as well, helping us out with our ride or die picks <laughs> and or uh, social media. They might One of them might be fictional. One of them might not be. We'll never know here. We'll never tell on this show, of course, Splash Play. Um, here's a guy we need to talk about Pete here as part of the, the vessel of the Dallas Seattle game and DJ Metcalf, that one play where he's, he's running up the field. He had an amazing play, really got open when he probably shouldn't have gotten open a struts into the end zone, pulls the ball loose, fumbles it into the end zone, has a touchback. And he was one of the guys that you were heavily invested in who helped you get to the pay window, did redeem himself at the end with a game winning catch. But how did you feel about DJ Metcalf? Because you are a guy who, much like me, uh, I think we assigned, uh, assigned some emotional value to these things with the players. And uh, that kind of roller coaster, I feel like you'll be forever attached to DK Metcalf in your head. Okay, well, I just, okay, you did correct yourself at the end. But I, said, I think Because I wrote DJ here, and I was like, wait, DJ Metcalf isn't a person? No, I mean, DJ Metcalf is I, the I, son I, on Roseanne, I believe. I, I thought <laughs> I was going to give you so much credit. I thought you were calling him DJ Metcalf because of the drop right before he crossed the end zone. No, no, I, was no. like, I just screwed Spag- it up as a professional broadcaster. <laughs> I was like, Spags is on a next level here. I call him DJ Metcalf because he drops the ball right before he gets into the end zone. Um, yeah, that, that stings. Like I'm at the point now I have had a few mentions to people being like, Oh yeah. Can you imagine if DK Metcalf actually scored there? And I'm like, yeah, I can. That would have been another $10,000. Thank you very much for reminding me. <laughs> Um, but I think I'm too much on cloud nine to, and too much of a heater to, you know, just like I brushed off my 0.11 loss because Jalen Richard didn't fumble the ball. It's, it's hard to get me down. You can poke holes in my lineup. You can call me a chalk donkey. You can say my ride or die plays are cheating. I don't, I'm on cloud nine. I'm, I'm untouchable right now, Specs. 
No, you are untouchable once you get the results <laughs> at the pay window. I mean, for a week, we uh, we talked about it before. Last week, we recorded the Sunday night show right after we hopped off. Pete was in a tie for first place. And and now this week, you can come in with the confidence of a man uh, with both a, a pastel hat and also a victory in his under his belt. That's that's two things that many people cannot claim. It's true. It's true. I am I am turning into a true asshole that people are going to hate. People liked me because I was the guy that was bad at fantasy and would make fun of himself. And now I'm going to turn into a smug, arrogant asshole and repel everyone away who came to like me in the first place. But you know, it gives us more leverage for our future only fans of account that we're going to set up to sell Pete's premium hand-built projections. They are Didn't we projections we're based up with our feet. <laughs> so Pete's actually going to build projections with his feet and show you the process. And I think that's going to be how we differentiate ourselves in what, quite frankly, is a crowded marketplace. If you're watching this on YouTube, do not screenshot that (laughs) foot of me twinkling my toes for the camera. Do not do it. Don't do it. I've already, Chris, I have already told the people about the behavioral punishments in my home growing up. (laughs) The last thing I need is a screenshot of my foot circulating on the internet. I think it's funny because last, yeah, like like Pete just mentioned, last Thursday, it's about uh, your taut butt cheeks breaking a spoon that your mom was trying to spank you with, and now it's your feet. I feel like you're you're practically begging for this new role that we're giving you on OnlyFans. By week six, I'll be doing this show nude, is, uh, <laughs> is the moral of the story. You know, as long as it gets us the clicks, I feel like that's ultimately what matters. And uh, speaking of getting the clicks, a, a big item this week that's going to get a lot of clicks is Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, the question marks around him. He thinks he's still the starter, but Nick Foles came in, came back from a big deficit to Atlanta in a game for Chicago that uh, it seems like, honestly, they probably should have won more easily with no Julio Jones in the mix. He was out this week. Calvin Ridley had a nice day in response to that, I guess, one, one of his many games he was having. But I think you could tell, you know, it is easier for him with Julio out there than it is without Julio, even though he had a couple of nice grabs. I think he's still going to have the bigger days when there's the attention and has to go to Julio Jones. But Pete, what do you make here of Mitchell Trubisky and the Nick Foles situation? I haven't seen news about it and I haven't searched enough yet to get fully the read on where Matt Nagy's head's at, but how are you reading the Chicago Bears quarterback situation and moving forward? Yeah, I did see the I did see one quote from Nagy where he's like, you know, uh, we are going to wait to evaluate the quarterback situation. We're just going to enjoy the win tonight, which is hilarious because it's like you bring in Nick Foles because you want him to be your quarterback because you don't trust Mitchell Trubisky. And then for whatever reason, you decide Mitchell Trubisky is going to start the season and then he's awful to the surprise of no one. And then Nick Foles comes in and looks really good. And then you're going to tell everyone that you're still undecided. It's like, I call bullshit on that. Like let Nick Foles have a chance. That's why you brought him in. And Nick Foles, I do think there's been enough signs for him in the in the past few years. One thing that jumped out to me before when he was still the Eagles quarterback was how great he was under pressure was that if the offensive line goes south, he was still had one of the best QB ratings in the league. And, you know, that is to me a sign of, his ability to handle some adverse situations, which I think the Bears have put Mitchell Trubisky in. And I think Foles, you know, the, the weapons are clearly there, as he showed today, with Alan Robinson having his best day. Uh, maybe he doesn't want to get traded if Nick Foles, if uh, if large genital Nick is is in the mix. Maybe that helps out Allen Robinson a bit. And, you know, the other guys too, Jimmy Graham had his biggest day. Jimmy Graham has been out there a bunch, but hasn't quite had the monster results. We've talked about him being a sleeper play on here, which, you know, does blow my mind. I know Pete with his ageist vibes, also maybe surprised by by Jimmy Graham, but... Do you think that Nick Foles is the remedy here for this Bears offense, Pete, which also is going to be probably without Tariq Cohen, who's rumored to have a torn ACL? 
Yeah, that hurts. And I know like a lot of people made fun of the Tariq Cohen extension, but to me, Tariq Cohen is one of those guys that has way bigger of a real life impact on a team than uh, a fantasy impact per se. He just adds that element of allowing the defense to not know exactly what you're going to try to do. When you bring out David Montgomery, they kind of know you're going to run the ball up the middle. So I think Tariq Cohen's a big loss. They, they are lacking playmakers. I mean, we're, we're joking about Jimmy Graham, you know, he's fine, but he's not a game breaker anymore. So you really just have Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller looks good, but the coaching staff, doesn't seem willing to give him a full complement of snaps. So I think you just have to have a lack of trust in this front office and this coaching staff to do the right things with utilizing the players and being bringing people in the building. So yeah, I, I do think you have to be excited about Foles. It, it is definitely an upgrade. Who's going to benefit from that? Maybe Montgomery a little bit because the offense will be more efficient. And then obviously Allen Robinson, who is He's basically Terry McLaurin on the Bears, right? Where there's like not many weapons. He's a true stud and he's going to get a ton of volume. And people tend to kind of underrate those guys in DFS, even though they can produce and, and show a ceiling. I would think too, you know, without uh, as much of a mobile quarterback, you know, Mitchell for whatever his, his many flaws are. And and I guess that's the other question too, is if he'll continue to start because I, I really don't know how you continue to do that based upon what we know, even if they were 2-0 and with him. I get a lot of Bears fans are pretty butthurt about him getting pulled and feel like they put him in an, an adverse situation that he couldn't win, but that's how these political battles happen in the NFL. But I would say, you know, like him not being as mobile, Nick Foles not being as mobile as Trubisky, if you see more checkdowns from Montgomery, maybe he's not just a guy who runs it up the middle and occasionally gets that seam pass. Like maybe he does get some of those three Chrome, uh, three Cohen options. I think there's room for David Montgomery to have value. And I think he's one guy, you know, we don't talk a lot about trades here in season long because I know in my leagues, Pete, I don't know about yours. Like people don't ever trade. I feel like people just assume the other person's too sharp and is like, no, like I, if you want this guy, he must be good. And that's just how it always goes for me. But I would trade for David Montgomery if I could. It is so fun. I'm glad you brought that up too, because that's like a talking point, right? On so many shows it's buy low, sell high. And if I was in only one league, I think I would be like a spray and pray trade offer kind of guy, just blowing up your inbox, trying to sell, sell high and, uh, and buy low. But when you're in a bunch of leagues or you're busy or you're playing a lot of DFS, it it's hard to put that attention into an individual league. So I don't want to alienate the people who are just in one league because by all means, you should be capitalizing on these little market movements and people are very susceptible to recency bias. I mean, even in DFS, we see it week after week. The guys who pop last week are high on this week. People, no one wanted to play Will Fuller this week. He had zero targets last week. And now he, he has a really nice game. So um, I, I think you should, if you are in just one or two leagues, take that extra time to uh, try to sell some of these big games and, and buy the guys that are low. Maybe you can get Jonathan Taylor after his quiet week this week because people are like, oh no, Frank Reich doesn't like rookies or whatever the theory might be of your league mate. Yeah, when you have two defensive touchdowns going your way, that's going to be hard to find the rushing opportunity. But as Pete mentioned here, you know, we we are uh, we we try to be big data boys here. Pete, uh, making it work with being half a big data boy. You are a, a half-staffed data boy, I feel like is the best way to represent you. 
Yeah, uh, it, it sounds like you called me like a half-staffed beta boy, which sounds like I have like a limp dick. Uh, <laughs> but that, yeah, I, I know what you were going for now. Uh. <laughs> half-staffed data boy is like, I think also not akin, to, not necessarily not akin to a limp dick, but I feel like it's, you know, like it's one that's like presentable, like one that you could do a photo shoot with for like an 80s Playgirl magazine. <laughs> And you'd be like, wow, look at this guy. Tune in, tune in in two weeks where I show you my uh, half mass data, <laughs> data boy. Yeah. So speaking of the, the victory laps that can come from being a half mass data boy, uh, <laughs> Pete, I mean, you're, you have your big victory lap here. Uh, we talked about already, but any other victory laps for you with week three that really jump out as being something that uh, you felt like was something you called and absolutely nailed? So I'm trying to see if I actually talked about it on Splash Play. I don't know if I did. I mean, my big call on on my shows this morning was Allen Robinson. I was I was stoked on him. I thought he was that perfect blend of price, upside, game environment, relatively in check ownership. So I do feel good about that. Oh, look, I am looking at our ride or die. I yeah, had you had you had wrong. him and Trubisky and the Millionaire Maker. But that that was so that was the issue was that stack plus Jimmy Graham, you know, the same thing we talk about QB plus two receivers. That's how yeah. you get there. And in tournaments, if you are playing DFS, uh, that was the right call, except it wasn't Trubisky. And it, that was very tilting for me with my Trubisky lineups. Yeah. So what I, I haven't even checked, what was the uh, uh, winning Millie Maker lineup? So the winning Millie Maker lineup, of course, one of our listeners as as weirdly, yeah. Pete, it always tends to be. I don't know why this is. It just every time I keep pulling up the name, I'm like, oh, of course, that's Claus of Heaven, one of our most nearest and dearest listeners. But another Millionaire Maker guy. winner. Yeah. It's it just it's just strange at this point, but the winning lineup, of course, to sum up the best way to sum up a week in the NFL does come with the Millionaire Maker winning lineup, and it's Russell Wilson here uh, with his his non brother Jeff Wilson Jr. He's at running back because Jeff Wilson took enough production off the table as actually Pete you mentioned uh, as being a reason why Jarek McKinnon might be as valuable as people seem or as people might think he might seem. Uh, Jeff Wilson got there. Rex Burkhead, uh, Russell Wilson was stacked with DJ Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, two guys who went off. You did Lockett DJ again. Yeah. Uh, damn it. Why am I really got now? It's just in my head. It's so weird. Like I wrote it on the sheet and now he's just DJ Metcalf for he me is. forever. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. <laughs> it feels like the kind of disrespect that he would notice on social media and maybe would chirp us. And then that could only add more value. I think. Yeah. He uh, does go back with a PFT commenter and he stuff does. Uh, about so, his, you know, maybe he you know, saw me on his like recommended follows. Like, Oh, these, these barstool guys keep talking crap about me. This guy doesn't even know I'm DK and not DJ Metcalf. I really think it is because of Roseanne. I'm pretty sure the kid on that show <laughs> was named DJ Metcalf. Anyway, Michael Gallup, who is one of the guys that Pete left off his stack. Um, <laughs> Pete, I like <laughs> you. This is one of the issues. People were mad at a, a head chopper. Or I think you do a show with, Head Chopper they were mad at because, like, he had a good showing, I think, on FanDuel. And they were like, he didn't list this guy on his best plays. It was on the Reddit, like, the the DFS Reddit. And I was like, yeah, that's fucking no shit. He can't list everybody. (laughs) But um, So, Pete, did you lie to the people here and not believe in Michael Gallup as much as you pretended? (laughs) Honestly, the, the thing, my thought is I was looking this morning at ownership for all of the Dallas wide receivers. And even though... Gallup hasn't been doing much. He was still projected for around 15% ownership. Like not like it was Amari was above lamb and him. And then lamb and him were similar. And I was like, this isn't enough of like an ownership discount to be a must play. And I really wanted to play Allen Robinson. So I was like, all right, Dalton Schultz is the only kind of unique play in the Dallas offense. So that is how the sausage got made on the Michael Gallup fade. Classic ownership leverage, Pete. That's what you're known for. (laughs) 
your various plays because you get a little bit of leverage. You get into a lineup construction that's a bit different, eh, Pete? That's right. That's right. That's people exactly will, it. I, uh, the people on Reddit are tilting that I uh, <laughs> didn't talk about the Dalton Schultz bring back on one of my mini shows. <laughs> it's so funny that like these guys, like that, that's what happens, guys. Like if you're if you're not familiar with how tournaments are won, it's the the one lineup that gets in, and people are like, I did, honestly didn't even know I was playing that guy. That's tends to be how it goes to some degree, though not with hand building, of course. That is the the personal touch you get when looking your lineup in the eye as you go. Do you think Reddit step. like users like in their perfect world, it's like every tout pulls every single lineup that they are going to play that week in DFS on Twitter on Reddit ahead of time. Just full disclosure, this is who I'm playing. Use it how you will. Is that what they want? Oh, I know from from the Osmo streams I would do. One of uh, the guys who I uh, adore very much, my friend Josh, uh, Josh Engelman, would post like he would do his screen shares because initially he had to produce the shows in addition to like hosting. And like his screen shares would be on there so people would see his ownership. And if they didn't see his personal ownership, they'd be like, are you pulling a swift one on me, friend? Like everybody comes like somebody who's in a saloon in the old West when they're like watching a DFS show where it's what kind of flim flam are you pulling here, mister? And that's basically what it becomes. Seriously. Yeah. Um, The rest of the lineup here. So this is the part that is crazy to think about. Austin Hooper at tight end for 5.5 fantasy points in the Millionaire Maker. In this winning lineup, of course, I don't want to disparage our pal as much as I disparage our host. I want to disparage one of our listeners slash viewers, uh, Kloss of Heaven. But yeah. Wow. That is, I mean, that is true. See, we've taught our listeners that it is okay to Galaxy Brain in the Millie Maker lineup. If you want to happen to put Jeff Wilson, Rex Burkhead, and Austin Hooper in the same lineup... That is because we gave you permission to do so, and we thank you so much for listening to Splash Play and mining this show for the gems that help you build winning Millie Maker lineups. Congratulations. Well, that's the thing, too. It's like the Millionaire Maker, because there's only so many permutations you can have. People think if you'd use an optimizer, you get every possible combination. You know, people don't even know that we were like, hey, play T. Higgins. Hey, play Dontrell Inman. These guys are like minimum price guys. We're going to have two touchdowns. We said that explicitly on the show. But Clause of of Heaven, I was going to say Clause of Heaven. Uh, Clause of Heaven (laughs) is not not doing everything we say, but doing enough, I would say. Yeah, clearly. I mean, there's, you know, there's a ton of information out there these days. And, you know, what we're trying to do here is be a one-stop shop. You listen to Splash Play, you get all the information, the news, the game theory to build a winning Millie Maker lineup. And the fact that, Spags, we are now three for three on our listeners becoming millionaires. I mean, the odds are about as great as me going on the heater of a lifetime, but everything's coming up Splash Play. That is classic 2020 for you. Expect the unexpected. Expect Pete to be profitable. Expect everybody who watches the show. Everybody who watches the show, I mean, based on our latest YouTube views, literally all of you can win a million dollars based upon uh, the week entries that we have. Uh, the rest of this lineup here, Derek Henry. So here's one thing. I know we haven't talked as much about our old pal Monte Carlo. Derek Henry <laughs> yeah. and James Conner were two of my guys because entirely of Sims. And they both were amazing plays this week. And I and like I, I guarantee next week I will be crunching those Monte Carlo Sims before we do a show. But um, did you have any Derrick Henry or I? he wasn't in your lineup, I don't think. But Derrick Henry or James Conner, two guys who I think would fit the peak criteria of being a little too washed up or a little bit too overowned and and not as useful for DFS. No, I mean, I, I am skeptical of James Conner more from a longevity standpoint. Uh, but I actually thought Conner and Henry were both good plays. Henry how I think about these guys like Kenyon Drake, I didn't think was a good play this week because of his ownership and the guys that aren't going to routinely catch passes. 
I think can be traps. I actually have a soft spot for James Conner because he is going to operate as a bell cow. It's just, you don't know if he's going to take some random little hit and leave the game for good. But uh, I'm, I'm generally looking at their profile and Henry is one of those guys that we, everyone agrees about the Henry upside. It's just, if he's massively owned, like he was last week, there's immense downside. If they get in a bad game script this week, we kind of saw the flip side of that, which was, he wasn't quite as highly owned and he got in the box a few times and was on the good side of touchdown variant. So that's how I like to play those guys. Yeah, that game overall, I think just kind of threw me for a loop where I really thought the pressure was going to get to Houston in a meaningful way, not the not the pressure of a, of a big game against Pittsburgh, but the, the blitzing that they would bring um, against that offensive line. And there was one play that I tweeted out that was like Deshaun Watson just like dancing around in the pocket to keep plays alive. Like that game should not have been as close as it was based upon just how much they were bringing inside on those guys. Uh, but James Conner certainly benefited from the game script and he's healthy. And it does seem like he's healthy enough now relative to James Conner standards. He's going to be in the mix every week and, and poor Benny Snell going to be on the outside looking in. Um, you know, at least for now, at least for now with Deontay Johnson getting concussed, that, that, that's a bit of a downer for a lot of people. I'm sure. Yeah, I was even that play red zone had that one up where he got hit and I, wasn't it a reverse or an end around? Yeah, I believe, I believe so. Did you see that? Yeah. I mean, and I was like, oh, this is cool. I love that they're using one of their better playmakers in unique ways. And then to take that hit is just such a bummer. And I was, you know, just as a fan, like I don't have a dog in like the Juju versus Deontay Johnson race, but it was fun to see this young second wide receiver ascending. And uh, hopefully this doesn't keep him out for too long because he is kind of like on par with like a Stefan Diggs or Keenan Allen, even Amari Cooper, just a phenomenal route runner. I'm not generally a huge watch the tape guy, but I love watching Deontay Johnson play. So I hope, he, I hope he's healthy. I know Matt Harmon uh, from Yahoo was very big on him with his uh, reception perception analysis, which is like he actually watches all the routes and, and tries to figure out which guys are performing above the expected value of a route and otherwise. And um, Deontay Johnson, certainly a guy who can break out and, uh, Alvin Kamara, by the way, just had a monster play. I, on I was going to bring that up. I just saw that. I was like, he's going nuclear. We should probably address it. Yeah. I I'm like, I don't know how this lineup that I have is doing right now. And I, like, it's funny the way that we did this last week where you were like, yeah, I got a lineup that's cooking. And I was like, Oh, my lineups are dog shit. <laughs> and like, and we both had the exact same lineup. So, uh, Pete, how are your showdown lineups doing? Are you keeping the heater going for this, uh, this game with the Packers and saints? I I'm like embarrassed and scared to mush it. But I am tied for first in the 200K play action, 20 entry max with with six other people right now. I see, like, I have one lineup where everybody's on fire, but, like, I have Lazard at captain, and, like, that's not going to be enough because Kamara's got 44 fantasy points. He has 66 in the captain slot. Jesus Christ. He is. He is going to be the optimal captain. I can can give that spoiler. He is, like, the the anti, I think, everything that I think about where it's, like, yeah, once you get paid, you just kind of, like, just, like, coast. And he got paid, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to work really hard and make sure that they feel a lot of value. And he's he's been smashing this year every game. I had to be talked into him by, like, some other people that I do season-long lineups with because I was watching him last year after that injury. He came back. It was a Jags game, and he just looked slow. And it's like the whole appeal of Alvin Kamara is that agility, that shiftiness, the, the ability to break tackles and gain yards after the catch. And I was like, I don't think he has it. Like he might just be done. And I had people talk me off. It's like, no, he's healthy now. It's fine. It's full systems go. And I, I'm glad I, uh, I listened to that because he looks like his old self now. He's getting the touches, even with Latavius Murray still getting a good amount of work in there. 
Uh, he's getting the looks. And yeah, Alvin Kamara, another guy. If you can trade, if your league has people that are actually willing to trade, Alvin Kamara, another guy you can trade with or trade for, uh, but probably not after he puts up 50 fantasy points. Like he's going to probably a little too valuable. That's So that's the trade analysis for week three here on Splash Play. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, hit uh, the subscribe button and give us five stars and a review. And that'll enter you as well into the Arnie Weinmeister giveaway on Thursday. <laughs> we'll be announcing it live on the Thursday show. So pretty much the second that Thursday night football ends, you can find it on our YouTube channel if you won. You will know firsthand about the glory of Arnie Weinmeister, uh, one of the the most brightest stars ever in the NFL Hall of Fame. That's what matters there. But here's where we have to take RLs. Even though Pete is a big W this week, his 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 success hopefully will rub off on all of us. Um, for me, Pete, I I don't know which L I want to take first. Um, I feel like the the big one has to be for me again. T.Y. Hilton. I, you know, I bought into the grandma situation. I know that I believed in the power of a grandma calling a man and being like, hey, you're not doing that well. And granted, you know, the, the Colts didn't need it. That's another case you can make for playing T.Y. Hilton once again and hoping that maybe his grandma talk will have him playing better days. But I feel like for me, I'm going to take the L once again on T.Y. Hilton, who I had in our rider die picks is making the millionaire make a running lineup. He's just not getting there. And and Pete, do you believe in the power of a grandma anymore? Do you even believe in grandmas? Is that just a construct we don't need to care about in 2020? Well, here's the thing about having an age bias in fantasy is sometimes you'll take an L on Jimmy Graham, you know, scoring a touchdown. But sometimes you will be right that A.J. Green and T.Y. Hilton are much closer to wash than they are helping out your fantasy team. So um, it is so, like when you look at the data, and I know you do in your Monte Carlo Sims, both A.J. Green and T.Y. Hilton, the air yards by low model, they're getting valuable targets and they're getting them downfield. But at this point, I think we do have to question a little bit what they have left in the tank to do with those targets. That said, at least in the case of T.Y. Hilton, they were up all game. They didn't have to throw a ton um, so yeah, I think you can, you can take, I'll let you take a baby L No, it doesn't have to be a, a, an uppercase. It can be a lowercase baby L on T Y Hilton. Did you ever watch a uh, wonder shows? And, uh, it was like an older show. Uh, like it might be too esoteric of a reference. I've heard the name, but I I'm not familiar. It was like an MTV two show. That was like a fake kid show. And it was like, it was real twisted. It was real dark and twisted. And that's <laughs> sort of the thing, but it was like, you know, like, or, or like, you know, a kind of comedy you probably couldn't even do on TV anymore, but not any like really non 2020 jokes, just really, uh, just went, went for it. And there was a lot of like, uh, f- like letters who had a, like, yeah, I don't even know. It's not weird. I don't know why I started this tangent <laughs> and I regret I'm it, but it. it's worth watching on YouTube. If you can, if you search wonder shows and it's worth it, but basically a fake kid show where the letters had autonomy and had their own hopes and dreams. And I believe one of them had a child out of wedlock and considered an abortion. I feel like it was, it was really ahead of its time in terms of a million different just, things. Just uh, wave your feet on camera and people will forget <laughs> everything that you just oh, said. Yeah, right? <laughs> there we go. There we go. Do not screenshot that photo of the bottom of Chris's feet. He will. No, yeah. It. Like I'm actually proud of my feet for not being dirty. Like I feel like that. <laughs> Mine might've been, I didn't even think I just put them up there. <laughs> like you never know walking around. There's dogs here. They don't wear shoes. Dogs are fucking scumbags. I don't know. Like, they're, they're, they're the worst in terms of keeping a house clean. That much is for sure. I just want to go on record and say splash play uh, does not collectively think dogs are scumbags. We love dogs. And despite <laughs> Chris's anti dog agenda, we do like, 
like that. I love my dogs. I just feel like it's fair. Like it's when you have like a degenerate friend who like, you know, is just the one who makes a night go on too long or then like disappears. And you're like, oh, where is he? And he's like, he's, oh, he's, oh, I'm with this girl back at somewhere. Like that's what dogs are. They're the friend who just makes a mess everywhere you go is basically it. I, and I say that as an owner of a dog who licking her asshole a bit too much because her anal glands probably need to be expressed. Pete, do you have dogs? <laughs> I don't, but I feel like you have enough dog stories for the both of us. <laughs> no, you have. That's the thing with dogs, Pete, is that you have to like not you personally. I wouldn't do it, but like a vet or a groomer sometimes has to express their anal glands, or they get like you know they just have issues. They start scooting. They have they have a, a problem. No, I think I think we should keep talking about this. Is there any more <laughs> detail that you would like to give us? Any other? So I'll take the L on my dog's anal glands. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> Pete. Were there any other L's that you feel like you need to take here? I'm taking the. I'll take the all the old players ones. I had T. Y. Hilton and A. G. Green, but any L's that you need to take personally to cleanse your spirit heading into Week Four? Yeah. I need to take an L on Darius Slayton. I've touted him now on back-to-back weeks. I thought with Sterling Shepard gone, he was coming off of that huge Week One. I really liked him uh, as a breakout second year wide receiver in this offense. So week one was like, yes, we're confirming all of my priors and biases. And now it's a harsh, cold reminder that he is tethered to Daniel Jones, who somehow rushed for 50 yards, had 180 yards passing and one interception. I mean, less than, I don't know how you rush for that many yards and don't have a good fantasy day, but Daniel Jones found a way. Darius Slayton still led the team in yards three for 53, but just, uh, again, a very harsh reminder that he is tethered to Daniel Jones, and that is going to have its ups and downs. Yeah, and the Niners defense, too. I feel like people can can talk a lot of smack about the, the, the multitude of people they're missing on both sides of the ball, but, you know, coaching is what matters, and they still are competently coached. And you know, there were, people thought Richard Sherman was washed up before he came to San Francisco, and he was a, a dominant cornerback, and it's very possible they could have somebody else who pops in there and does just as good of a job here protecting the the outsides of of the game and i think that's to me you know like i'm not necessarily thinking the san francisco niners defense is done um even though you know defense is not the most sticky metric i do think that you know when you expect a guy like slayton to get off against the niners maybe they're gonna have problems and i don't know but speaking of that uh we it's time it's that time of the week of course for stat shaming where we ask where did these plays get unsustainable numbers or do we consider them beautiful at a healthy weight of targets and for me i think the first guy that we have to ask about is cedric wilson five catches 107 yards two touchdowns on seven targets i mean for me pete i would say that cedric wilson you know, too much, too much for you. I think your body weight is not meant to carry your frame. Is it meant to carry that many targets? Not meant to carry that many yards. Definitely not meant to carry two touchdowns. Save those for CeeDee Lamb. Save those for Michael Gallup. Save those for Amari Cooper. Or, of course, Ezekiel Elliott, who busted this week. There are so many ways it can go for Cedric Wilson or with, with him not being involved, Pete. So I'm stat shaming him about as hard as I can. A finger wag of shame for you, Cedric Wilson. Yeah, you know, when we started doing this segment, one thing I had to remind myself is like, these guys are human beings, they have feelings. And you know, it's easy for us to judge from afar. I want to judge the shit out of Cedric Wilson's stat line. Like this stat line pisses me off so much. The whole thesis about the Cowboys offense, it was, is that it was a condensed target share around the three wide receivers who it's literally the best three wide receiver set in football. And then Dalton Schultz stepping in for Blake Jarwin. That's it. That's the only people that are allowed to catch passes in this offense. And you're telling me Cedric Wilson is going for five for 107 in two TDs. And on top of this spags, 
I was sweating the games earlier with a Michael Gallup lineup and that other one. And the DK live scoring settings got it wrong. The Cedric Wilson TD, they put up Michael Gallup TD. Even the operators at DraftKings was like, (laughs) there is no way Cedric Wilson just scored. It has to be Michael Gallup. No, it wasn't. It was Cedric Wilson. And I will shame the shit out of you. Cedric Wilson, you have made a powerful enemy. One of the winningest players in DFS is now <laughs> against you, Cedric Wilson. But I, I agree. It's it's nonsense. It's the kind of thing that people overreact to that maybe even me or you, Pete, four years ago, five years ago, maybe it would have been like, oh, Cedric Wilson, like he's he clearly seized a role. Like a great day here. I don't get it. I don't get why it happened because Amari Cooper and uh, and Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb were all comparably open all day. But yeah, uh, stat shaming for Cedric Wilson. Another guy who I assume won't evoke quite a strong of a reaction out of Pete. Tyler Lockett, 9 for 103 TDs on 13 targets. And I won't stat shame Tyler Lockett. He's His frame for those kind of targets, for that kind of workload, perfect for it. He deserves that every week. But to me, I would still say that he's probably a little hefty on his targets, a little hefty on his production, a little hefty on his touchdowns, especially in that offense. There's going to be weeks where Chris Carson goes off. There's probably going to be weeks where Carlos Hyde steals a couple touchdowns. There's going to be weeks where Will Disley, where Jacob Hollister, guys who were targeted this week, will get that opportunity. Greg Olson as well. There's too many ways this offense can go, and it's operating well. That's great. That bodes well for Tyler Lockett if you're a season-long player. For DFS, I don't know that you would lock Tyler Lockett in, no pun intended, like you might a Julio or you might a DeAndre Hopkins. I just don't see him as that dude. But Pete, where do you land with stat shaming Tyler Lockett? Yeah, no, I agree with you. This, I mean, you would be kind of dumb to say this won't be his best game of the season, you know, and it was a perfect game environment at home. Dallas is banged up, pace up game. That said, we know that him and Russ Wilson have a very good rapport. We know they're going to have really good games. So in the literal sense, we have to shame him for the stat line. I mean, Lockett, he, he's a beautiful man. He's, a, he's an objectively beautiful individual, but regression will come to him after this game. And that's okay. That just means he's human. That just means he's human. And we need to set realistic portrayals of NFL statistics for the young people out there. And so we are legally obligated to point out this regression candidate. I, it's funny because I now I know how I feel or how other people must feel when I do like the like, yeah, he's like a beautiful man. Like, <laughs> like I think that's a sign of a confident man. It's a confident other man like that. But I agree. He's a beautiful man in a variety of ways is Tyler Lockett. So, you know, statue him a little if you must, but he's still great as he is. Uh, this pairing, though, I feel like we can really we can really tag team here. Uh, Dontrell Inman and T. Higgins, two touchdowns, three catches, and under 40 yards for both. And I'm going to say as a general rule of thumb, these kind of guys who spike that touchdown upside, it is just sometimes a matchup thing for a Dontrell Inman that he gets open or a T. Higgins gets open when you have a Tyler Boyd, when you have an A.J. Green, when you have all these guys like Higgins isn't running that many routes. Even John Ross, at least into last week, was running more routes. Like, I don't think you'd expect that from T. Higgins. I don't think you'd expect that from Dontrell Inman. And I think the plays like that, the less you pick up these guys on waivers, the less you spend your your budgets or just, you know, waste your waiver priority. Don't pick up these guys because it's unlikely to happen. But that's me stat shaming and not even stat shaming along with a bit. That's just me trying to give a PSA to help people out there because, you know, the overreaction is very strong, Pete, but... But maybe, Pete, do you think that these guys are worth stat shaming or do you think they can keep doing two touchdowns a week on very limited touches? 
Yeah, so I'm going to split the difference here because I'm in lockstep with you about Dontrell Inman. Uh, I, I mean, I think at best he's fourth, you know, in the target share after Terry McLaurin, after Logan Thomas, after Steven Sims. Felt very fluky to me. However, the T. Higgins thing is interesting, partly because John Ross was inactive heading in today. This is a former first overall, uh, not first overall, first round pick. And People expected big things out of him. The fact that he's inactive, the fact that we do agree AJ Green hasn't been efficient, it seems like he could really climb to the third target in this offense because Lord knows if you played Drew Sample in DFS today, you know uh, he's not a guy you can hang your hat on going forward. But I do, I do agree with you. Two touchdowns is going to be abnormal for him, and he wasn't getting a lot of targets. But I think for rookies in particular, as opposed to Inman, who's more of a vet, efficiency early on is actually something we should pay attention to and coaches are going to be more inclined to give these rookies more work when they do capitalize on those opportunities so i'm i'm with you on the dontrell inman i will shame him t higgins i'm going to shame him a little bit but i'm going to say you go girl you go yeah yes queen yes queen that's <laughs> go <all> off king <laughs> go out yeah no i i i think you actually bring up a good point where i think on the numbers like for t higgins i wouldn't expect this to happen every year but i do think there is sort of a a roadmap for him with calvin ridley where you saw calvin ridley have these outlier days where it's like how did he get two touchdowns and it's because he's you know running on the other side of julio jones and that could be the case for T. Higgins, where in the beginning, you know, his his opportunities coming because they still have to defend against Joe Mixon. They still have to defend, you know, like Mixon has been terrible. He's a guy who deserves to get stat shamed the other way, where he's looking a little too gaunt. He's basically a young Olsen twin, Joe Mixon is right now. But I would say, you know, like for T. Higgins, like, okay, if you're going to be out there and getting touchdowns, getting those red zone looks... And also, you know, the rookie thing is a thing. These guys were probably in some sort of rookie camp together. They've been around each other. Like, you know, that does help sometimes for getting a guy to be a difference in a crowded wide receiver core. Yeah, and the other thing I'll say about T. Higgins, like, he was the 33rd overall pick in this draft. Like, he was a highly touted prospect. And there were, this is one of the better wide receiver classes in draft uh, memory. You know, other than that 2014 class that had Mike Evans, Sammy Watkins, all of those guys. This class is is loaded. That class, I, I said Sammy Watkins because those were the ones at the top of my head. It was also Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson. But you get my point. T. Higgins was uh, a very fast, uh, big wide receiver that had these tools that teams were excited about. And I think because assholes like me are screaming about LaVisca Chenault nonstop, that maybe T. Higgins is flying a bit under the radar because he has the athleticism in the draft capital to back it up. So yeah, I, I might draft T Higgins in our waiver wire segment coming up here. Is this another thing where, you know, there is a popular show on Showtime on Sunday nights called The Affair? Are we seeing that now on Splash Play that you're betraying LaVisca after all the Visca love, after all your viscosity ratings and various bits that you brought to social media? If you didn't bring viscosity ratings, I don't know what you were doing. I feel like that's that's one that was right there for you. But you're betraying him for T Higgins after three weeks? That hurts, Pete. That hurts no, me no, and no. all the Visca followers. No, I, I'm I'm not going to do that. I will say I am kind of a what have you done for me lately guy. And, you know, I am here just outside of Boston. So if I need to have a Boston tea party, 
down the road. Uh, you like what I did there, Chris? I will do it. I will do it. No, there's plenty of room for all these rookie wide receivers. I I, I love them all. Brandon, I, you got in the box today. He did. I, I had drafted Jalen Raker everywhere, and now he's injured. But I do maintain that this rookie class has been undervalued for season-long leagues because people are like, rookies, they didn't, they didn't have training camp. They're not going to get caught up to speed. The problem is these guys are playmakers, and their teams are starved for playmakers. Well, another segment we have to get to, which I'm just going to transition here. Tell me who hurt you. For me this week, it's Pete betraying LaVisca Chenault after months. No, don't of, do this. After, do not after try months to do of convincing all you buffoons out there who rode along with this, this nope. flim flam man, this, this, this slap chop creator, Peter Overzet for selling you LaVisca Chenault. And now he's apparently willing to take T Higgins. He's willing to, it's now LaVisca Chenault because there's no T for Peter to give anymore to LaVisca. It's now belonging to T Higgins. I, I I just, you you hurt me, Pete. You hurt all of us. No, you guys want to know why Chris is so full of shit. Cause I'm looking at the show sheet and I teed us up for the segue to the next segment, waiver wire snake drop. It was next on the segment and Chris jumped to tell me who hurt you so he could get in a dig at Chanel. This is manufactured propaganda by Chris. It's time to do the waiver wire snake trap. <laughs> I just say it's so like nobody heard us besides you hurting me right now and all the LaVisca followers. Is that- no, you hurt me bringing up LaVisca in this context. <laughs> waiver wire snake draft time guys <laughs> we got four rounds and of course we pick the guys available on waivers before any show out there can possibly give you this take we're the first ones to give you your waiver wire takes for week four and uh i will lavishka chanel make the list i don't know pete but once again i'll be a gentleman and give you the first pick of course out of our four rounds yeah, we didn't have as big of uh, an injury uh, bloodbath, mm-hmm. luckily, this week. Real quick, are there any major injuries that I'm forgetting? I know like Russell Gage left with the concussion. Anyone else? I, I might have slipped through the cracks. I, I don't think so. He Russell Gage, certainly one of the guys who hurt me a little. But yeah, um, but yeah no, like I, I don't think there was anybody... Um, Trying to think running back wise, was there anyone? No, nothing, nothing strikes to mind right away. Okay. Um, yeah, so we don't have any of those kind of obvious running back pickups like we did last week with, you know, Mike Davis and Jarek McKinnon. I will, um, with my first overall, I will stick with a, a rookie wide receiver after I just went on that rant. You're going Justin Jefferson, aren't you? No, I'm actually not because I, I've been through what the like second wide receiver is like in a Kirk Cousins, you know, Minnesota thing with like, we had to get Stefan Diggs out of there because the play volume just isn't there. And Jefferson looked great, but I don't think it's sustainable. I actually think Brandon Ayuk's production um, could be sustainable and his role is going to continue to grow. Debo, they keep pushing back his timeline. Now they're saying week five, who knows what's going on with George Kittle. And I know the team is like decimated all around him, but he looked really good in his limited snaps that he got in week three, he had the end around where he scored a touchdown and he actually profiled very similar to Debo Samuel as kind of one of those Swiss army knife wide receivers. So we've seen how creative Kyle Shanahan is like, I bet the giants at plus four today because I was like, Oh, everyone on the 49ers done. But like Kyle Shanahan exploits the talents of his players and uses them in really creative ways. So Brandon Ayuk is a guy I want to stash, even in in 12-team leagues. He's rostered in only 16.8% of ESPN leagues right now. I think that's a perfectly fair one, and also he is a guy who 
um, like like Debo Samuel can't get the handoffs in the in the pass game, and that's certainly going to give him some opportunity there as well. Uh, here's a guy that I will take, even though uh, now you've defamed the position of being the number two receiver for the Vikings. But I think <laughs> Justin Jefferson showed me enough and ran his big play today was out of the slot, and I feel like the slot routes were encouraging. I think he might have passed. Irv Smith for some of those, which I think is going to be helpful for him just getting on the field. I mean, even if they only run, you know, one guy split out wide, you could still run Justin Jefferson in the slot. And I think that might bode better for him. So I'm intrigued by what I saw today. Uh, He is a guy that I'm going to take number two. And then of course, Cedric Wilson, a guy, no, I, no, I was going to say, you just, uh, no, 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 of course not. It was a Trojan horse. (laughs) No, I will. Um, the next one, I think I'm going to go to Alan Lazard, who's still available. He's only rostered in 36% of leagues, and we're seeing him go off on Sunday night. And this Devontae Adams injury, it's another soft tissue injury, which was our big concern going into the year. And if he's out, it does seem like Lazard is going to get those wide receiver one touches. I, you know, I think... Baldus Scantling, for whatever his ability is as a, as a burner, he's still going to be able to break open games against bad defenses. But I think, you know, we're seeing it tonight on Sunday Night Football as we're recording the show. I do think that Lazard has the value and he should be rostered more than he is right now. So I would take him on the turn. All right. I um, There are two tight ends that I'm debating taking here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say Dalton Schultz, though. And... Uh, the, my thought process on Dalton Schultz is Dalton Schultz is Hayden Hurst. He is, he's like an, a perfectly serviceable talent. You know, he's not above average, you know, athletically, but he's in a great offense that before Cedric Wilson had a fairly condensed <laughs> target share. And, you know, again, he's not, he didn't put up a monster game this week, but having four for 48, he actually had another red zone target that got passed down. These are the kind of details, you know, when you're sweating a guy in one of your better lineups, but I think him and the third wide receiver, similar to how Russell Gage and Hayden Hurst kind of alternate big games. I think that's what Dalton Schultz is going to be in this offense. And Dak clearly likes him as well. And in these leagues, like the, one of the things we're trying to gravitate toward is like, we ultimately just want, you know, outside of the Allen Robinson and Terry McLaurin's, we want guys on good teams. A bigger pie means there's more to go around. And despite Dallas's kind of recent struggles in the win column, there's still an offense that is going to score a ton of points. So to me, Dalton Schultz is really underowned in ESPN leagues at 23.6%. And the tight end position after those top three guys, it is just this chasm of like very similar type plays. We saw Austin Hooper in the Millie Maker winning lineup today. <laughs> there's all Austin Hoopers in this range. And to me, Dalton Schultz actually has the environment and the quarterback to kind of slowly move up this year. I mean, the fact that we talked about it on Thursday and it kind of jumped out as being a weird number that I, you know, seems like it'll stabilize a little, but didn't seem like it stabilized today. The Cowboys snapping after like under 20 seconds, that would be the fastest mark in the league ever by a wide margin. It's normally the fastest teams in the last few years around 25 seconds per snap. Cowboys being under 20, if that keeps up, or, you know, and, it, you know, it could be that their defense is so bad and just keeps letting teams put up big numbers on them. But Dalton Schultz going to have that production. And Pete, you have the turn here for round three. So go ahead. Take one more. Goodness. I we were even mentioning this pre-show. And right now I'm I'm in a 12 team ESPN league with all my high school buddies. So I'm looking on our waiver wire, you know, trying to find like a realistic true guy you can add. And I I hate that I'm going to say this guy because I said that it is a flash in the pan that said 
things happen in fantasy football where guys get the hot hand. No one wanted to pick up Miles Gaskin after week one. It's like, who, who is this guy? Like, there's no way he's going to hold on to this starting job. Weirder stuff happens. So I, Chris, against my better judgment, I'm going to say we're going to pick up Rex Burkhead here. And <laughs> I don't love it. Obviously, James White is out. That said, I, it's less about James White is going to have his role. Where Rex Burkhead really excelled today, too, was on the ground. Yeah, he had some check down passes, but they were using him at the goal line. And I think there is actually scenarios. Maybe it's not the most likely one, but there are scenarios where he becomes the lead back and James White is kind of the pass catching complement. So I think sometimes we underreact to the waiver wire with guys like James Robinson and Miles Gaskin. And so I think if you can sneak Rex Burkhead through for cheap, put him on your bench. If the role doesn't expand, fine, toss him back. But after this big game, maybe he carves out a bigger role. I don't think that's a crazy move to make. It does seem like one that, you know, could end up with him easily losing production to James White next week. But but I get it in this offense. You know, there are going to be days where, where Cam Newton does have somebody spying on him. And then somebody has to score those touchdowns and Burkhead keeps showing it over and over again. And uh, I'm going to go also like I think this is a guy that Pete would never look at in a million years. But I do think that even as an older player, I think you specifically called them out as being an older player uh, just a few seconds ago or minutes ago. Jimmy Graham, I, the work that he's going to have here, and I do believe in this Nick Foles helmed offense slash even what Trubisky was giving him. Trubisky was still taking deep shots this year at a pretty high level. Uh, like I think for me, that's sort of where it comes to. If he's going to take six deep attempts a game or if Nick Foles is going to get those six deep shots, we're going to assume those are going to be better ones. And Jimmy Graham is getting deep shots in addition to getting red zone and end zone looks. I think that role does have value in this offense. So I think Jimmy Graham, if you, if you can't get the Dalton Schultz, I do think that Dalton Schultz, I get why he'd be more valuable, but there's less weapons in the Chicago offense, especially with Tariq Cohen going down. So I think that Jimmy Graham is one guy that I would take. And for my last pick here, of course, we do a four round snake draft for the waiver wires. I'm going to take, mm, I'm going to take Jeff Wilson Jr. Just because I think whoever is playing running back for the Niners is going to have production. I was bullish on Jarek McKinnon. He looked good last week. I do think Jeff Wilson is, they're a little more inclined to give him the full workload if he gets a shot. Like let's say McKinnon goes down and we still have Mostert out. We still have Coleman out. I think there's room here for Jeff Wilson to go. So I would hold him as a speculative ad. I don't think he's going to add value week to week, but if McKinnon is out there next week, starting again, Wilson being a play, you know, just he's a dude who can catch passes, can score touchdowns, does get those red zone slash end zone looks. I like Wilson being that dude as a fourth round, you know, waiver wire pick. Yeah, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. All right. Last one, Pete, you got it. Oh, sorry. I still have one more pick. Yeah, of you course. Yeah, you let it off. So yeah, you got the you get the final one. So, you get the Mr. Irrelevant once again. Yeah, I mentioned that I was debating between two tight ends that his ownership percentage seems kind of insane to me, but I am going to do another tight end pick here. Logan Thomas at only 18 percent. Uh, he should be higher. Yeah, I got he it. He should totally be higher, which is just I think it speaks to, a, you know, maybe more casual fantasy players. If it's not a name, they're probably more inclined to draft Jimmy Graham or add Jimmy Graham because they know his body of work. They've seen him be a crusher in the past for the Saints, whereas Logan Thomas is this kind of unknown. 
But again, he is the number two target in Washington after Terry McLaurin. Uh, our friend Matthew Barry has kind of comped him to being this year's Darren Waller. You know, he might not get the same level of target share that, that Waller did down the stretch last year, but he's going to be perfectly serviceable and they're going to be in a ton of bad game scripts. And of course, the rub, the caveat with Washington always is if Dwayne Haskins can, you know, actually string together some full possession. So there's going to be ups and downs. There's a reason he's on the waiver wire, but he does have the target share in the athletic profile to be a weak winner uh, in some spots. So to me, he's a guy like if you have a, a starting tight end, add him as your second tight end on the bench protect yourself against injuries and bye weeks. He's got a lot of upside and who knows, maybe he really flashes and you can trade one of your tight ends. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair and tight end always a tough position. So they are the waiver wire picks for the week and uh, hit that like button. And of course, subscribe to the channel so you can see all of our content whenever it comes out. Last game here, the ride or die picks for Monday night. We have to hit on before we call it quits on this splash play episode for Sunday night, Kansas city getting 25.5 implied points against Baltimore who to me, I cannot believe they're a three and a half point favor, 29 implied points for them at home. Uh, the over under here has been creeping up all week, but I do think Baltimore is going to play this slow and they're going to try to keep it close to the vest as much as they can. So I think I'm going to take the under for the ride or die picks for Monday night, Pete. Man, I, uh, I like your call. Uh, I think it, you know, if, if the chiefs were at home, I would kind of think maybe they could force the game into more of a shootout, get Baltimore in some of these situations where they have to air it out. But I do think Baltimore has kind of separated themselves as now the class of the NFL. They're just able to win in so many ways. So I do like that call. Uh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a little bold here. I'm going to say, I'm going to get bold. I'm going to say Nicole Hardman leads the chiefs wide receivers and tight ends in fantasy points. I said that Demarcus Robinson would be the troll guy. I'm a little bit ignoring the fact that Sammy Watkins has emerged from concussion protocol yeah. and is likely to play. That was going to really open things up for me, Cole. I'm still doubling down on it. Maybe things aren't quite all right. They actually said with me, Cole, or uh, with Sammy, that the concussion was like the initial thing, but that it was like a kink in his neck that was actually giving him issues throughout practice. So maybe he's not 100%. Maybe this opens up a sliver of a window for Miko Hardman to get going. I'm leaving on a candle for Miko Hardman. All right, Miko Hardman is the pick. So those are your ride or die picks for week three. And of course, they're about as much of a lock as you can get after we didn't even talk about the results where I wanted to debate KJ Hamler with you because Pete somehow gets three points for KJ Hamler not getting 18 DK points, which feels... No, no, no. No, that's, that, should be, that should be a one. That okay. be because one. like because we went head to head, it's currently logged as it would have been three for me and three for you, and I feel like it should have been should have been three no, for me, and I think it should be three for you. No, because my the way I think about and again the the very controversial scoring system <laughs> is that if it's a 50-50 kind of proposition, it's that's a one pointer, and so we set we set a line that we thought was like an efficient line, and then took a side of it. Uh, so that's a that's a one pointer. Okay, so the good news then is that means we tied this week. <laughs> We really, yeah, because you're the difference was you having KJ Hamler in terms of overall points. We don't want to go too deep into the standards because we're figuring out <laughs> every week. We keep moving the, the the target around so we can keep figuring it out. But yeah, with that one now, it would be three to three, and we had a terrible showing overall relative to the picks. Okay, yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll touch base with Lewis. Uh, I'll <laughs> let him know that if you see Spags's 
menacing Google avatar in the Google doc that you don't have to run. You can bully him. You can get in the chat and say, leave my documents bags. That's the power I am giving Willis. Oh, look, I want to empower everybody here, including you, of course, the viewers slash listeners. So make sure you are liking these videos and, of course, subscribing on YouTube. If you are subscribed on YouTube, you are entered to win the big giveaway on Thursday. We'll announce the winner of the Arnie Weinmeister once-in-a-lifetime index card, 3x5. That is about as thick of a card as you can find in the game. That'll be coming up on Thursday, so make sure you are subscribing on YouTube or giving us five stars and review an Apple podcast. Both entered to win. In addition to retweeting the tweet, at at splash play boy splash play pod i hate these plugs i really like i feel like it's terrible no, and I've you gotten love out of doing... the plugs you love the plugs <laughs> no i hate like i i get good in them if i have to do them every day for hours a day then then it starts to flow like like butter i guess <laughs> it starts to be smooth like butter uh but it on sounds like cr- you should have your feet up for when you say that <laughs> and then they start like going butter. like butter hit that hit that like button ladies gentlemen and uh pete any plugs you want to hit here besides of course your projections on our only fans at onlyfans.com slash splash play oh yeah, god check- i bet that's probably a terrible splash play url are you only fans you are i'm telling you we're, we're setting up we're playing the long game here for the spinoff splash play site um <laughs> no plugs yeah please uh please like please rate and review us please share it and uh like we said we will do you know what i was thinking chris for the drawing I think we bust out my randomizer. I think we we Ooh. dust it off. We put the names in. We spin the wheel for everyone to enjoy. Okay, so we'll spin the wheel on Thursday. Tune in after Thursday Night Football. Tell a friend. And, of course, subscribe on all the platforms. We appreciate your support a bunch. We'll be back with you guys again Thursday night after Thursday Night Football. So thank you for watching. And uh, stay safe out there. And, and keep winning like your old pal Pete Overzet. That's the one we should all aspire to. Bias projections. And we'll see you guys again soon.